Welcome everybody. Many years ago, I come across a book. It's a, almost a, somebody's a journal to East, especially Himalayan regions. And this a author was very much uh, enchanted by the Buddhist culture as well as the teachings of Buddha. I remember that she stated in a book that Buddha is the first psychologist in human history. So I never forgot that statement. <laughs> so she said that uh, Buddha is the first uh, psychologist. And she has very good point uh, to make such a statement because Buddha understood the human psychology. He understood clearly what we want most and what we don't want the most. And Buddha understood that what we want most as human being, as our instinctual desire is a happiness. This is what everybody wants. Everybody wants happiness the Brahmins, the Dalits, the butcher working in the meat market, as well as a monk meditating in the caves. We all want happiness. And for those very reasons, Buddha said that there are two kinds of happiness the earthly happiness and the transcendent happiness. The transcendent happiness is a, the freedom, the enlightenment. It's not even happiness. But the had to use that word so people would be interested in discovering what that might be. So he was a great and skillful psychologist. <laughs> he knew how to play with the human mind. Because the humans want happiness. The truth is that transcendent happiness is not actually happiness. Enlightenment is not even happiness. So there's a earthly happiness, which is based on our 
personal experiences, emotions, the earthly happiness have often cause and conditions. The cause and conditions can be sometimes exterior as well as also interior. Sometimes it can be exterior because when we acquire material possessions like entertainment, sensual pleasure, acquisitions, we feel happy at this for the time being. And sometimes the causes of happiness can be interior as well as also internal. And it has to do with our thoughts and believers and perceptions. And that's why sometimes affirmation, psychological affirmation works. If you believe that you are perfect, if you believe that you are the best person ever lived in human history, you'll be happy for a while. But simply it's based on the thoughts and the belief system. It's still based on the causes and the conditions. I'm not uh, saying that we should not uh, allow ourselves to experience earthly happiness. But earthly happiness has limitations. It still has cause and conditions. It's still based on the the sense of egoic identity. So usually, earthly happiness comes into being from striving at it, seeking it, and trying to acquire it. Whereas, the transcendent happiness comes into being by letting go of all our effort, seeking, acquiring, wanting, and including letting go of our sense of self. Recently, I was traveling with a group of people to visit a Buddhist monastery, and we are going to see this very pure, wholesome monks. And I looked around, I thought, maybe my friends are having a spiritual inferiority complex. I could be wrong, that's what I thought. Because we are going to see this uh, 
a group of extraordinary monks. People often feel that they are inferior, they are not pure, they are not exalted as monks or nuns. So verse came to my mind in that very moment. A verse from a Dharmapada, one of the most revered Buddhist scriptures. The verse says, the two bhikkhu, the two monk is not somebody who shaves his head, goes around and to beg for food, but who conquered his doubt within. So this verse is saying that uh, ultimately to be monk, to be nun, have nothing to do with uh, whether you shave your hair or whether you wear orange robes or whether you practice a fasting. But it has to do with your readiness, your courage to go inside and to conquer the doubt. Let me talk about what this doubt is all about. If you know how to conquer this doubt, and then you experience what uh, sometimes we call in Tibetan Buddhism, churning the depths of samsara. And then you'll know how to burn completely the seeds of suffering the seeds of samsara, in the field of your consciousness. Here, doubt is a form of a fear. It is the doubt, it is the fear, it is the resistance to completely let go of yourself. Let me repeat it. It is your resistance to let go of yourself completely. A Tibetan master said, Buddhism is both good news and bad news. It is a fusion of good news and bad news. The bad news is that you have to jump off the aeroplane without a parachute. (laughs) The good news is that there is no place to fall down to land. So he said, it's a free flow. And this is how we can be fully liberated and to realize the transcendent happiness, which is beyond happiness. It is the eternal freedom. And this is what Nirvana is. This is what Mukcha is. But this idea of uh, letting yourself go is only relevant, it's only useful if you want to be free. If you don't want to be free, then this idea is totally useless, absolutely irrelevant. So the question is to go inside and ask oneself, what is that I want most? 
You don't ask the question for long time in our incarnation. I went to a Buddhist monastery when I was young. I was renunciate for many, many years. Personally, I didn't know how to ask that question, what I want the most. So, perhaps uh, after decades of my training in the Buddhist monastery, and one day I asked this question, what is that I want most? The answer was extremely embarrassing. What I want wasn't liberation. <laughs> what I want wasn't freedom, something else. Of course, I don't have to tell you exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted all kinds of things. I wanted all kinds of achievement, including spiritual achievement, as well as also spiritual glory. And it took a long time for me to really feel this uh, a genuine longing for the liberation. So in the same way, I would ask everybody to go really inside now and then. Just ask yourself, what is that I want most? You don't always have to get the right answer. You don't always have to come out and uh, say, I want liberation. You don't have to come out as a mystic, start dancing, rolling your body on the ground, say, I want nothing but the liberation and truth. And sometimes when you ask such a question, you may end up wanting, and that is a illusory. Maybe you wanted happiness, maybe you want a relationship. Or maybe you want something else. It doesn't really matter what you want. But keep asking that question as an act of prayer, as an act of contemplation. And sooner or later, all your ordinary desires are going to wear out. All your ordinary wantings are going to exhaust in themselves. and so on, and there will be a new longing inside you. There will be new desire inside you. And that new desire is what uh, perhaps Hindus and Christians call divine love. And Buddhists call it the devotion. Very renowned Buddhist master Jarya Asanka said, the truth can be only realized through the path of a devotion. I used to give a, this knowledge. And that is a, to imagine that you're lost somewhere in the desert and not finding 
water for days and days. And there will be a moment at one point that the only thing that you think about is water. You'll be dreaming water. And you'll be asking everybody where the water is. And then somebody may shove in front of you, give you this uh, two choices. Do you want water or life? You may say, I want water, which is an illogical choice. But you may say, without any hesitation, I want water over life. So in the same way, sooner or later, we may know how to fill this level of unflinching devotion and longing for the freedom, this desire to be free. But this is only for if you want to be completely liberated. If you want something else, then this whole talk on longing, divine love, devotion are totally abstract as well as also irrelevant. But there is a, or there must be readiness in your conscience to hear what you are hearing right now. Of course, I'm not a psychic. I cannot tell whether you're ready or not. But I assume that there's a readiness in your consciousness to hear this very verse. I don't say these things all the time. But tonight I feel I must say this to you. I can't come up with anything to say except this. And people often think there's a, some kind of set of knowledge or secret to the enlightenment, to the freedom, if they learn it. If they learn it, and then they go around and to perfect that knowledge, apply it, and then they, someday they're going to be enlightened, which never works. So unfortunately, there is no secret to the enlightenment. I come from Tibet. We have lots of interested people. We have lots of mischievous individuals. We have many people who sometimes uh, they dig up the ground and pick up all the texts to say, I discovered a secret to the enlightenment. And if you learn this, apply this, then you're going to be enlightened. But the truth is there's no knowledge and there's no mantra that can liberate you. One of my friends told me that he used to go to India in 1960s. 
and there was a very wise spiritual master. And he had many people in his audience, people from all over the world. And he told me many of the Europeans, as well as also North Americans, often bring similar questions. They ask, I have problem in my relationship. Please, could you teach me mantra that fix <laughs> problems in my relationship? I'm having a difficulty with my teenager. Can you teach me mantra that make everything easy? <laughs> or someone asks, I'm having a difficulty with my meditation. Can you teach me mantra to fix that problem? And he always uh, answer the same question. He said, yes, I'm happy to teach you mantra, but uh, I promise it would not work. <laughs> Do you still want to learn the mantra or not? <laughs> so there's no mantra. There's no set of knowledge that you can learn and use and then get freedom in the same way the fishmen catch the fish. So freedom, liberation only can be experienced when you know how to have this unfinished longing. When you know how to invite this devotion into your heart, the truth is that your suffering is already transcended. This devotion I'm speaking about is a form of a holy nectar. It purifies your consciousness. And that devotion, your suffering, your struggle, everything will dissolve. So even the illusion of self dissolves. The illusion of self is a false ground that we are holding on to. And this ground is not concrete. And this ground is illusory. This ground of self that we are holding on to is not concrete. It's an illusion. So, when you let go of this false ground and then you realize the highest truth, what Buddhism calls the truth of groundlessness and the rootlessness. In Tibetan, it is called Jimepa Sawatalwa. Jimepa means groundlessness, Sawatalwa means Rootless. During this break, one of you asked me this very honest question. 
she asked me, I feel that I'm unlovable. What can I do? She asked me this question. So I told her that you are neither lovable nor unlovable. <laughs> and I told her that uh, lovable, unlovable is a concept. You are neither lovable nor unlovable. The idea of being lovable, unlovable is also illusion. And that is the false ground. So I told her to just let go of everything, let go of all her fear, all her doubt, all her concepts about who she is. And then to abide in that absolute, in this realm of the highest truth, the truth of groundlessness and rootlessness. Usually when I teach uh, periodically, this uh, sudden silence takes place. And this usually happens when I want to invite all of you to experience this uh, devotion, this uh, longing for the freedom. Then this uh, silence happens. Because there's not so much really to talk about. Talking has never been a problem to me. I'm sure I have lots to talk about. <laughs> Thank you.
So this is not a even knowledge, but yet you can say this is a shortcut to the liberation. So there is a shortcut to the liberation. And something nobody can teach. If anybody tell you, oh, I can teach you shortcut to the liberation, maybe that person is a drunk <laughs> or a little bit of dishonest. No one can teach you or teach me shortcut to the enlightenment. And yet there is a shortcut to the enlightenment. And that is a, this moment that I'm sharing with you. And right now I'm not teaching anything. All I'm saying is that uh, go inside, learn how to feel this uh, unflinching longing and the devotion to the, the eternal liberation. And when you know how to feel this devotion, then there's a place that you are standing inside your consciousness. And that place is where you make this two choices either to continue to be lost or to be liberated right there. So this devotion will take you to place in your consciousness where you can make that choice. It reminds me of uh, the mountains that I walked almost 20 years ago. The Himalayan mountains when I was a crossing border between Tibet and Nepal. I was trying to get to, to Nepal as a political refuge. And I was walking with the other five Tibetans and led by two Nepalese tour guides. And at one point we were walking on this uh, summit of a high mountains. When you look around, you don't see anything else except the mist. But also I remember that uh, if you turn your head around, you see almost both sides. And that's how sharp the peak of those mountains are. So you'll be able to experience walking on a very sharp peak of a mountain in your consciousness, from which that you can turn your head around, turn your attention around, and in one single moment, you can choose to be deluded or to be liberated. So in that sense, 
there is a shortcut to enlightenment. So the shortcut to enlightenment is not knowledge, but is a devotion. So if you ever want to find a shortcut to enlightenment, then go inside and ask the question that I offered. What is that I want most? And keep asking that question. Don't tell people what you want most. Uh, because you may end up realizing that what you want most are quite ordinary, as well as also superficial too sometimes. And so no later, you are absolutely sure and that what you want most is the freedom, the enlightenment, the transcendent happiness. Don't worry that you're going to lose all your desires and ordinary wanting. Some people told me that they have a little bit of doubt to go in that direction. When I ask what their doubts are, and they feel that they're going to lose all their desires and wantings and longings. I told them, don't worry. After you're enlightened, still you'll have a desire and long. Still you know how to appreciate the food and music. <laughs> of course you won't lose all your desires. You won't lose anything. But you'll feel that your longing for it. freedom is bigger than any other longing than any other desire you might have, you desire for food, or you desire for immortality. You know, human desire is very complex. Can you believe some people have desire for immortality? <laughs> and your desire for the liberation eventually gets bigger than any of those desires. And then you feel that you are walking on that uh, sharp peak of the mountain, your consciousness. And there, you know how to make the right choice and to be free. And you know how to let go of self. Because it requires one act which is letting go of the self. And once self is uh, gone, then there's only freedom.
seems uh, there's so much to talk about right now. This is very interesting to me right now, what is unfolding. Because I feel there's so much worse, but then I also feel there's not so much to talk about. And you're all here to ready to hear what I have to say. <laughs> and very strange if I already said large. Of course this is not logical. I was uh, given a talk at a spirit truck um, perhaps uh, more than 10 days ago and I talked about the same topic. The topic was divine love and the devotion. And today I'm sharing the same topic with all of you. So in a strange way, what I'm really trying to say is that in the end, there's nothing to teach. And I really don't have any knowledge to offer you in the ultimate sense. And also I wanted to say everybody that the only way that you can experience Absolute freedom is through knowing how to have this devotion. That's only can liberate you. And this is what I'm trying to express tonight. My talks can't liberate you, <laughs> and my teachings can't help you anything. Only when you know how to have this longing, then, and this path to the liberation inside you, and then you set yourself free, as the Buddha said. Be lamp on yourself. You all know how to 
set ourselves free. As a matter of fact, uh, no one can set us free. I can't have this devotion for you. No, you can have that devotion for me. And we have to learn how to have this devotion on our own. And if you feel that you're already experiencing the flare of this devotion in your consciousness, it means that now you're not so far away from the freedom. And freedom is close to you. Enlightenment is on the way to you. And somehow if you feel that, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And then, and try everything what you're trying. Try analysis and meditation, <laughs> psychoanalysis, spiritual analysis. And someday you realize that you're still far away from liberation if you long for it, and then you and I will be totally exhausted. And then we have no choice except to feel this unflinching devotion. So I'm sharing my heart with you. And now you got my heart. Now you got my secret. <laughs> now you know level of my IQ. <laughs> because I showed everything to you. And I don't know anything beyond this. To me, the path to the liberation is through heaven as a devotion. The purpose of a spiritual practice is ultimately to be exhausted and also to be exhausted with the spiritual practice itself. Because our mind doesn't know how to be exhausted. 
And that's why the Buddhist teachers say, do this and do that. In my tradition, they give lots of home assignment. <laughs> and they even tell you sometimes, uh, do 100,000 prostrations. And they sometimes tell you to uh, make this pilgrimage all the way from Eastern Tibet to the holy city Lhasa, which takes many, many months. You have to throw your body on the ground to make such a pilgrimage. And you can do all of them. You can make a pilgrimage, you can practice fasting, or some people even offer their They make butter lamp out of their fingers and offer to the images of Buddha. You can do all of them. And yet you will realize that you are far from liberation. And then you will be exhausted. Your mind will be exhausted with everything. So to me, the only value of spiritual practice is to exhaust your mind. I have been doing all kind of practices and I literally tell you that sometimes I even gaze into space and I will talk to the thousand Buddhas in my mind. Of course I don't have any visions. I, would, I used to tell them that I did this and that. I'm still not liberated. <laughs> I used to almost complain the thousand Buddhas in my mind. And so spiritual practice can exhaust you. Maybe I'll tell you one personal story. One time I was living at a Buddhist center in Big Island in Hawaii. And this uh, meditator came to the land and she was doing a particular Buddhist practice. In Tibetan it's uh, called Mbunga, means 500,000 accumulations. And one of them is to accumulate 100,000 prostrations and she was doing that practice uh, in the Shan room, I remember that the ceiling of a Shan room was a thin metal and weather was very warm. So in the morning you will hear her chanting prayer, singing a devotional songs. And one day, must be around afternoon, somebody was knocking on my door. And I opened and this meditator said, who invented this prostration? <laughs> And she said, that person must be malicious. <laughs> and then she would just stop doing any practice. And then the evening comes, weather becomes cool, and then I will hear her 
throwing her body on the ground, singing spiritual songs. That's exhaustion too. So if you don't know how to be exhausted, I will ask you to meditate more. If that doesn't help, I recommend to do something very radical. And eventually your mind will be exhausted. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your invitation and your receptivity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.